Welcome to the Hope Unlimited Church Podcast. We are so honored to connect with you, and we pray that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Luke's Gospel, chapter number 13. Luke's Gospel, chapter number 13. We're going to start reading with verse number 6. We're going to read a short parable here. And we're going to continue talking about this. This will be the last time I talk about this for a while, but we began a series some time ago called Test That Every Leader Must Pass. Have you enjoyed that so far? Yes. Have you found yourself right in the middle of some test? Yes. Have you found yourself in the middle of some test? Yes. All right, all right. We're going to get this right. We got, I know it's a new building. Everybody's freaked out and you're ready to watch Jurassic World, but we're going to get this right. Luke's Gospel, chapter number 13. going to start reading with verse number 6. Why am I in Mark? Luke's Gospel, chapter number 13, verse number 6, records these words. The, and I'm reading now the New International today. New location, new Bible translation. God's good all the time, all the time. God's good. Luke's Gospel, chapter 13, verse number 6. Then he told them this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but he did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree, and I've not found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Will, can you give me some more monitor? Thank you, brother. Cut it down. Why should it continue to use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year, and I will dig around it and fertilize it, and if it bear fruit next year, fine, and then if not, cut it down. Let me read that again. Luke's Gospel, chapter 13, verse 6. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but he did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now, I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year, and I'll dig around it, and I'll fertilize it. Everybody say fertilize it. I just wanted to hear you say that word on Sunday morning. The King James translation actually says, I will dung around it. So that's why I picked the New International. I will fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, great. But if not, then cut it down. Amen? Amen. I, uh, I, we, me and my wife just got back from a trip over in Europe, and, and nothing can make you thankful for uh, the South like Europe. And uh, when I, we were over there, I was just thinking, man, I, I, I'm so thankful. I, I'm, I'm actually proud to have grown up in the South. Now, I know she's got her issues. There is no doubt about it. And history has proven her to be wrong on several instances. But I, 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 I love the South. I love the culture of the South. I love Southern hospitality. We call it Southern hospitality. Mentality. The 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 Bible word for it is lying. <laughs> But we call it Southern hospitality. Everybody talks about man, people up north are so rude. No, they're not rude, they're just honest. Right? You hearing what I'm saying? Yeah, some northerners said preach, brother, preach. So I love Southern hospitality. And it's funny how how in the South we speak in code. 
You have to learn to decode Southern culture. For example, the other day I was talking to, a, or not the other day, this was actually before we moved here, I was talking to a dear friend of mine, and he said, man, how's it going? And we had a lot going on. We were planning for a transition. We had trying to get our house sold in Hamilton, which still has not sold, and the devil is alive. But we're trying to get all this stuff worked up. And he said, man, how's it going? I said, you know, man, it's, it's, if it's, it's been one thing or another. I've had to deal with this, and then, and then I've had to deal with that, and then on top of that, I've had to deal with this. And he looked at me in that good Southern way, and he said, man, bless your heart. This is what he meant. I am so glad I'm not you right now. That's what that means, translate. We do the same thing in church. We have, we have this, we speak in code in church. And you have to learn to read between the lines. You have to learn to decipher the code. Y'all, y'all, can y'all hear me all the way in the back? You have to learn to decipher the code. For example, you ask somebody, hey, would you come and show, would you show up on, at 7 a.m. and help us do setup? And you know what they're going to say? Well, you know, that's not really my spiritual gift. Translated, find somebody else. (laughs) Right? Am I right about it? Or we'll say things like this. We'll say, we got an event tonight. Are you coming? And they'll say, if the Lord's willing. You know what that means? No. Don't expect me to be there. Or you'll share with somebody, you'll share something going on in your life, and they'll say something like this. Well, you know, the Lord works in mysterious ways. You know what that means? I don't know what to tell you. I am completely clueless just like you. Here's another one that we hear in church all the time. When you ask somebody, what about this young man? Or what about this person? What about that person? We say this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They've got potential. You know what that means translated? He ain't there yet. He's not there yet. That there's some work to be done before we get him to the place that God wants him to be. And it's interesting in the church because we celebrate potential. I've even talked to young women that marry potential, which is a horrible idea. I say, you're going to marry that young man? Yeah, well, what about this, this? Yeah, but he's got potential. Yeah, but potential can be unpredictable. I need some help in here. Al, where are you at, brother? I'm going to talk to you for a minute. Help, help a brother out right now. We say he's got potential. I know he's got potential, but he also has some patterns that's undermining and rewiring his potential. I know he's got potential, but he's got $14,000 worth of credit card debt and he can't control his spending. I know he's got potential, but you got to pay attention to the patterns. I know he's got potential, but he's got a pattern of being a porn addict. I need somebody to help me this morning. You don't marry, you don't get excited about potential because potential can be unpredictable. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. We, th- we have a tendency to believe and we have a tendency to make decisions on potential. We, 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 think, that, we think that potential and talent are the same thing. We think potential and gifting are the same thing. For example, a girl can sing good, but that does not mean she has the potential to be a worship leader. Somebody can have a charismatic personality, but that does not mean they have the potential to be an influencer. Gifting and potential are not the same thing. And in the church for years, we have celebrated gifting and we've miscalled it, misidentified it as potential. You do not get to see somebody's potential based upon the talent or the gift that they have. You get to see somebody's potential based upon how they survive the process that God takes them through. Yes, sir. 
Gifting does not reveal potential. Process reveals potential. Are you with me this morning? You might can sing, you might can dance, you might can preach, you might can lead, but if you can't pass the test that God takes you through, you don't have... You don't have... Potential. Is it hard to hear in here? Is it... Because everybody's looking at me like I'm speaking, speaking in Latin. Potential. Make decisions on potential. Put people in leadership based on potential. They have never passed a process in their life, and we think they're ready because they have a modicum of talent, and we call it potential. When somebody looks at you and say, they, you have potential, this is what they're communicating. I see something in you but I got to get it out of you. And the only way to get it out of you is to put you in a forge called testing where what is on the inside of you is forced to come to the surface. There is a culture in church today where we are hypersensitive about offending people. Whatever you do, don't offend people. Even though your Bible called Jesus a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, Jesus was the most offensive character to ever exist. If we are preaching a Jesus that does not offend our Americanized flesh and selfishness, we are not preaching the Bible, Jesus. They might not preach like this at your church. We're glad you're here. You get a free movie out of it. Just endure it. If we're not preaching an offensive Jesus, we're not preaching the real one. The Bible called him a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. As a matter of fact, he looks at his disciples that have followed him around for three and a half years. And this is what he says. Eat my flesh, drink my blood, or get out of my face. 500 of them walked away. Then he looks at Peter and said, go on. Peter said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Only you have the words of eternal offensive people. You will never see when when people get offended. This is what really bothers people about getting offended is that something deep, 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 deep down on the inside of you that you don't like to talk about and that we don't like to acknowledge is there gets hit. It gets awakened and we will never really know what's going on on the inside of us until God uses somebody to go all the way down into the stuff, past the church mask and past the praise the Lord, hallelujah, and past the God is good all time, all time God is good and get down to the real stuff. We will never really know if we've got potential. You hearing what I'm saying? You don't gauge potential on gifting. I used to teach at a Bible school and we would have gifted people come all the time. And we would have people that could sing, that could preach, but could not survive tests. All right? And I'm going to talk to you about one specific one today. This is going to be the most unpopular one. So cheer up. This sermon gets worse. I'm going to talk to you about the test of correction. Oh, hallelujah. Ain't nobody amen. He's like, oh, Dang, I picked the wrong Sunday. I should have stayed home and live streamed something. The test of correction. Because you only learn if you've really got potential based upon how you handle the test of correction. If we could see it right, in this parable, he's dealing with a tree that has all of the potential and none of the actual. 
There is a long road between potential and reality, right? I mean, I get in our church version of potential, I guess you could say I had the potential to play in the NBA. <laughs> but the length of the highway between my potential and reality, we won't talk about that any further. And all along the road, God takes you through tests. And one of the tests that God takes you through is he's going to allow people in your life to correct you. Now, when I talk about correction, we celebrate the fact when God speaks to us in private, in the secrecy of our own prayer closet. And we want God to come to us in that Song of Solomon language, right? My love, you're my dove. You're my fair one. Y'all with me? Come on, y'all with me? I said y'all with me? You're the fairest of 10,000. You're the most amazing thing on the planet. And oh, my precious darling child, sweet, sweet lover of my soul, what I would like for you to do is I would like to, for you to make a mild adjustment in this one area. If you could so, if you could just find it within yourself to make this adjustment in that attitude, if you could just find it in yourself to make this one little shift, God does not always talk to us like that. Your Bible says that either we will fall on the rock or the rock will fall on us. Sometimes he does doesn't come in like the sweet whispers of a dove. Sometimes he comes in. Your Bible says his word is like a hammer and it breaks the rock in pieces. Sometimes he corrects us with a rebuke that we don't like. And then we have the option to say, how are we going to handle the test that God's taking me through? Because if you could see it right, correction is really an investment. I'm trying. Correction is really an investment into your future. I, I used to tell people all the time that worked on my staff back in Hamilton, I would tell them, I would say, don't get mad when I correct you. Get worried when I stop. Because when I stop investing into your development, it's because I think you're no longer worth it. Where you at, Al? Right? And so whenever God corrects us and confronts us and deals with those things in our life, we have to see it right and know God is investing into my potential. There's something out of me and the only way, is, there's something in me and the only way he's going to get it out is I have to go through the test of God confronting my stuff. And I know that this is not popular in Knoxville. I've already understood that. I know that people, that there's a culture in Knoxville where they treat pastors like a dime a dozen and you can't tell me what to do. I'm, that's Knoxville, that's fine. That is not the case kingdom of God. The kingdom of God's way is this says, God, you can get in every thought. You can get in every attitude. There is nothing in my life that is off limits to you because I don't want to be a part of the Christian culture. I want to be a part of the kingdom of almighty God. Huh? I don't want to be a part of the church as we know it. I want to be a part of the kingdom of God. Jesus did not come preaching the gospel of the church. Jesus came preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And he said, when I come and I bring the kingdom, you're going to have to change the entire way you think about everything. And the reason people stumble over kingdom understanding is because kingdom understanding flies in the face of our worldly understanding. A lot of times when you teach the kingdom of God, people have a hard time reconciling. How does the kingdom make sense to what I know to be true, to my common sense, to the way I was raised, to my good old-fashioned Southern culture? How do I get the kingdom to fit into that paradigm? It will never fit into that paradigm. The fact that the kingdom bridles against everything that we've known in our culture proves that it's the kingdom. 
Amen. Hey, what do you do? I'm passing the test right now. Amen yourself, Casey. Huh? That's why it says, whom the Lord loves, he rebukes and he chastens those that he cares about. And he says, our earthly fathers did it for their pleasure. Ain't that a twisted verse? <laughs> Your earthly father beat you because he got mad and he had to let off some steam. <laughs> but the heavenly father doesn't do that. It says our earthly fathers did it for their pleasure, but he does it for your profit. That he can yield from you the fruits of righteousness. Now watch, when you got saved, you were already made righteous. He said, when I correct you, I'm going to bring forth the fruits of righteousness. In other words, you were already righteousness, but I got to get it out of you. When I correct you, it is my way of trying to make you who you already are. God Almighty. Huh? Correction is an investment. I bet in the, in the ministry that we came from, I was there for 15 years, and I don't say this um, braggadociously by any means. It's probably a bad sign. But uh, I probably got rebuked more than everybody on staff. <laughs> Combined. As a matter of fact, I know that to be true. And... Uh, at the time, I got frustrated. Why are you always picking on me? But what about Jimmy? Right. And I went to my leader one time. I said, what? Me and Jimmy, his name wasn't really Jimmy. You got to change the names to protect the innocent. <laughs> went to him one time. Me and Jimmy had a little disagreement. A little, little, little uh, conflict, healthy conflict. Heated fellowship. That's what we called at our house, heated fellowship. We're not fighting. We have a heated fellowship. Right? Get some fire behind it. Glory to God. It's really, you got to pray for my wife. It was really hard being married to a preacher because everything becomes a sermon. Turn the lights off. Everything becomes a sermon. I want to count to three and you better turn those lights off. One, like calling sinners to Jesus. One, two, three. Turn the lights off. Shut up. I got a machine. I got to turn the lights off. <laughs> My poor daughter, she's in here somewhere. She's like, yeah, that's how, how it goes. I remember we got in this argument one time, me and Jimmy. So we're going to call him Jimmy. Jimbo, Jim Bob, the Jimster. And after it was over, I knew I was right. And I still know I was right. And I'm going to go to my grave knowing that I was right. And I went to her after it was over. We had a meeting after the meeting. You ever had those, the meeting after the meeting? I've had a many of those in my life. Because normally we'd have a leadership meeting. Of course, I would pop off and say something I didn't need to. And then everybody would be walking out and I would hear, Casey, hang on one second. Dang it, I knew it. <laughs> I was this close. I was that close to escaping. <laughs> And I went to her one time, I said, you know I was right. You know Jimmy was wrong. The gymster, you know he was wrong. And she said, yes, you're right. But I don't see in Jimmy what I see in you. 
So I got to make a greater investment in you because of what I believe to be true about you. And whenever you feel like God is constantly tapping you on the shoulder saying, I need to deal with that in your life and I need to deal with that in your life and I need to deal with that in your life. That's not a time to get discouraged. That's the time to say, I know you see something in me because if you're making this kind of investment in me, it must be because there's a potential in me that I don't even know yet. That's one of the most frustrating things about leadership is when you see in somebody something they don't even see in themselves and you are correcting them and you are putting pressure on them and you're saying, I'm trying to get that greatness out of you. I'm trying to get that deep, deep, deep God-ordained potential out of you and it's going to happen when I correct you and when God cuts on you. And I don't mean just when God corrects you in the privacy of your prayer closet. I mean when God corrects you through his delegated leaders. That's the part that Knoxville don't like. I've already learned. It's when that God corrects you through his delegated leaders. It's when you can hear a pastor stand up. Of course, pastors are afraid to say it today. But it's when you can hear a pastor stand up and say, if you're not tithing, you're stealing. You know what that is? That's a correction test. Yeah, yeah, if you're not giving God 10% of your sanctified gross income before anybody else gets paid, your Bible calls it stealing. And I feel the, I feel it come at me and I push it all the way back and I say, I don't really care because this is the correction test. This is what separates those that are just gonna do, just gonna be church attenders and those that wanna shake a city for the kingdom of God. God, there is nothing in my life that you cannot deal with. Nothing in my life you cannot deal with. So when a leader looks at you and says, you need to knock that attitude off. You're like, oh, who you think he is? Hmm? It's not about who I am. It's about who you are and who you could be if you could submit to the pruding. Oh, God Almighty. If you could submit to the pruning. You know, you know what, what we call it when a fruit tree produces fruit? We call it yielding fruit. Do you know what we call it? When you submit to something, we call it yielding. You have to yield in order to yield. You have to yield to it in order for you to yield the fruit God's called you to, cut, to bring forth. You have to surrender to the cutting before you will ever hold everything he's called you to have. I know, I know I've met people in my life. I'm talking about had world-changing gifting. But the moment you had a hard conversation, would get up and leave. Couldn't tolerate it. Couldn't tolerate being confronted. Couldn't tolerate saying, now you're wrong right here. Right? Couldn't tolerate it. I've, I've, seen, I've, I've been in church my whole, since I was two weeks old. I've been in church a long time. I have seen just about everything. And you'll, you'll want to correct somebody. You'll come up and you'll say, well, this didn't get done on time. We need to fix that. And they'll say, well, we'll see what happened was, is, is Jimmy didn't, Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy didn't show up because he wasn't feeling well and Jimmy is the one that's supposed to bring this. And then Jimmy, I didn't ask you all that. I'm just trying to make an investment into you. Instead of pushing against the correction that God tries to bring. Because let me tell you something, God has his way. Yeah, you know, when you tra- I used to ride horses. We used to show horses. There's a, there's a phrase in horse training. As easy as possible, but as firm as necessary. And I've learned God functions much the same way. He will bring correction as easy as possible at first, but as firm as necessary. 
You ever had God tell you to do something and you didn't do it? And then the next thing he told you to do was like so much worse. He'd be like, your attitude was wrong at work, so I want you to go to that lady and I want you to apologize, tell her you were wrong. And a little piece of you dies on the inside when you heard that. And you go and you try to pray off. That was the devil. The devil is a liar. I rebuke you. Can't be God. Can't be God. You know what God's going to say next time? Stand up in front of everybody at lunch. That must just be me. Stand up at everybody at lunch and repent to them. Should have obeyed the first time. You disobey that. Go home, pray it off. Rebuke the devil. Talk to your husband. You know what God's going to say? Get up in front of your whole church. God, you're getting out of control on that. Get on Facebook. Tell the world you repent. He will do it as easy as possible, but as firm as necessary. This is what he said when he talks about, in Hebrews, he talks about fathers disciplining his sons. He said, it is not joyous. It is grievous. It's never fun when you get corrected. That's why the Bible called it dung. <laughs> you ever had a fertilizer moment with the Lord? Am I talking? You never had a moment in your life where God was dealing with you and you thought, this is a bunch of fertilizer. (laughs) 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 Got to use that NIV terminology. (laughs) You ever had that? You know why he's doing it? Because he's investing in you. Because he sees something in you. He sees not gifting, potential. Potential means there's a seed in there. The very first command that God ever gave Adam, he said this, be fruitful. But before you're fruitful, you have to be seedful. And when God called him to be fruitful, it's because he saw in Adam a seed that could turn into fruit if you're willing to pass the test. You guys come on up. So every leader, every time God's developing you, he's going to take every one of us through the correction test. Can't, and I know there's a lot of people here that, that, don't, that don't go to church here, and that, that's awesome. We're so glad you're here, and we bless you when you go back to your church. I hope you have an awesome time. But let me ask you, does your pastor carry a knife? And if he does, do you like it? Man, it is quiet up in this church. I don't, this is the quietest y'all have ever been. Does he care enough? And do you like it? Because when you see that the reason I'm going through this is because of my potential, there is nothing in your life off limits to God. God, you can cut on everything. If I have to go repent to my wife, cut on me. If I have to go humble myself and repent to my children, then I ain't getting no amens in here. If I have to go humble myself, repent to my children, then God cut on me. But this isn't about my temporary comfort. This is about my potential. And when he says you have potential, he's saying you're not there yet, but you can be if you're willing to pass the test of getting cut on. You remember in the Bible when David was taking the ark back to Israel? 
And your Bible says when he took the ark back to Israel, every six steps he took, he would stop and he would sacrifice something. And then he would take another six steps and he would stop and he would sacrifice something. And every six steps he took, he would stop and he would sacrifice something. And the moment he got tired of saying yes to the cutting was the moment his progress stopped can't go any further than where you are right now if you don't submit to another yes Lord cut on me and correct me you only tell you how to get to the next level in God you don't go buy a new worship album and a new Bible translation you go get in the prayer closet and you say God cut on me you only tell you how to go to the next level you meet with your pastor and you say I need you to get in all of my junk and I need you to deal with all the stuff in me that you see that's holding me back we don't like that man we don't like that We don't like that. You want to go to the next level in God? It doesn't happen because you downloaded the latest podcast. It happens because you go getting before somebody and you humble yourself and you say, whatever you see in me, if you ever see anything in me, I give you full access to cut on me and get it out of my life. Because there's some places that I'm called to go in God that if I stop saying yes to the cutting, I'll never see it. And then 20 years from now, we'll still be talking about and 30 years from now I'm going to look up and I'm going to be 70 still talking about potential because I couldn't handle God correcting me you want me to tell you what happens a lot of times God will correct you through people you don't like it's one thing when your best friend says you know I don't think that's the best idea it's another thing when somebody you hate says you need to fix all of that And behind it, God is saying, this is my test. Let me see if you can pass it. I need somebody to help me this morning. I came to talk to somebody that says, I want to go to a place in God. I want everything that's in me to get on the outside of me. I want to shake the city. I want to impose the kingdom of God. And the only way I'm going to do it is if I say yes to the cutting and yes to the cutting and yes to the cutting and yes to the cutting. Stand up on your feet and lift both hands to him right there. Come on. Can you handle? Can you handle? Somebody looking at you and saying, you need to be nice. You need to demonstrate some fruit and be kind. Can you handle somebody looking at you and saying, that is a petty issue and you need to grow up and get over it? Can you handle that? Because every correction is an investment it is it is God trying to get what's on the inside of you out of you hang on bring that down just a little bit gentry now remember the parable he comes and he looks at the tree and he says this tree has been here for three years and it is giving me nothing cut it down It is, it is bothering everybody else. It is stealing resources from everybody else that they could use to grow and be stronger. Cut it down. How do you respond when you get pruned? Do you wither and die and take your church hurt home and sulk over it for the next 15 years? Or do you come back stronger because somebody loved you enough to cut on you? Yes. Come on. Yes, sir. Come on. Oh, so good. I, I have people email me all the time. 
You know, I'm thinking about coming to your church, but I've been hurt by the church and I want to respond. Well, welcome to the club. If you've not been hurt in church, you just haven't been around long enough yet. How do you respond when you get pruned on? Do you take it home and call three friends and y'all lick each other's wounds? This is how we talk here. I'm sorry if y'all don't roll this with your church. Do you go back home and lick each other's wounds? Or do you take it home into the prayer closet and say, God, thank you for loving me enough to get in my stuff. Thank you for loving me enough to get in my stuff. And I'm going to come back stronger. You cut off some dead branches so I can come back stronger. He says, this tree ain't done nothing for me. Cut it down. And the, the vineyard dresser says, wait, 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 wait. Let me try one more thing. Let me invest some more correction into it. And then if it doesn't yield to that, then you can cut it down. But let me, let me invest some correction into it. Oh, you're into, everybody, everybody, I, I see these people on Instagram, they're all reading the book of Proverbs. One proverb a day keeps the devil away, something like that. And I love the book of Proverbs. I love it. I love it. I love reading it. This is what the book of Proverbs says. You better listen. The whole book right there. You, we just did a study on Proverbs. You better listen. You better not kick against correction. My son, attend to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Don't let them depart from your mouth. Keep them in the middle of your heart. Don't kick against it. Because there's something in you. He sees fruit waiting to explode out of you and he's trying to dung around you fertilize around you cut some stuff off around you to see can I get what's in you out of you and I might be the only one up in this theater this morning but I say God yes is there anybody with me in this place that says God cut on anything you need to cut on. If I'm talking to you, give him a shout, hallelujah. God, cut on anything you need to cut on. Let me tell you this, and I'm, I'm gonna shut up and you can go watch a movie. But to the degree that you allow God access into your world is to the degree that God allows you access into His. And when we stop saying yes to the cutting, God stops saying yes to the access. Because we pray all of these prayers and we sing all of these songs proclaiming how hungry we are and how much of God we want. We want more and we need more and we want more and we need more and we're, we're, begging, we're, we're praying as though we're begging God to come visit us and God is saying there's a step you got to take first. Can you cut on something? Can you cut something out of your life? And then you can come a little bit deeper and then I'm going to stop you. And you're going to have to cut on something else. Then you can come a little bit deeper. Then I'm going to stop you and you're going to have to cut on something a little bit else. Then you can come deeper. We have a saying at the ministry I used to come from, where you stop is where you stop. When we stop yielding to the correction, that's when we stop moving 
into our potential. Lift your hands to him one more time. Emily, sing just one line of that for me. Come on, lift those hands to him. Come on, lift those hands to him. Let's worship him just for 30 seconds. Come on. to everything you want to do in us. Every area of our life that needs dealt with, every area of our life that needs cut on, God, we say yes to it. There's no part of our life off limits to you, Lord. There's no part of our life off limits to you. Every agenda, every motive, every Every struggle, we say yes. God, I don't know what you're going to deal with in the future. I don't know what area in my life you're going to put your finger on and, and require of me. But before I even know the question, my answer is yes. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit hopeunlimited.church give. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Unlimited Church.